0: Down. It's such a machine dream. Such a long dream. Such
1: a long Such a machine
2: war machine. (laughs) You know, everyone wants to talk about Ukraine. And the thing is, you can't qualify talking about Ukraine. You, You know, the news sound like random farts on air because they're talking to an audience that has no idea of the back end politics and why we're here today and what happened. See, the war machine. While many are sitting there telling you the MIC is going to make money. It's so true. Uh, but that's not it. russias it's imminent. Like, how many times do they have to say it's imminent? Oh, we're going to, but we're just going to whatever. I'm telling you, like, I've been watching people comment, right? Why aren't you talking about, I already told you this was coming in 2018 and in 2019. So... Aside from that, I think maybe we should delve into going back in time to find out all these significant events that happened in 2014 and why Biden being the alleged president has anything to do with what's going on, Uh, because then that We'll dispel it all, because remember, it was in 2014 that the intelligence community, the private intelligence community, decided to boot me. It was the time that Brennan decided to blacklist me. It was the time that he said, "Uh -uh uh-uh, uh-uh, you can't be working for these people. This is too much. So there was a choice that had to be made in 2014. Do we just eliminate her? What if she has a dead man switch? She's not stupid. She's been in this for almost... (laughs) You know, almost 20 years. Because 2014 was a big year. General Flynn was resigned. Joe Biden did that quid pro Joe statement. Ukraine had elections. Crimea was annexed. Like, all this shit was happening. You probably forgot about it already. And now Biden's in office. (laughs) And all this stuff is happening. And like I said, in 2014, the last thing I did was make sure to check the 1,200 temporary employees and the 250 permanent employees that Barack Hussein Obama had put forward to help with an $11.4 million aid packet, 11.4 to Ukraine, to help them with elections and set up their, you know, CIDOL account and get their machines and shit. See, A lot of people, (laughs) you know, I, I, okay, I I just saw a comment fly by and I usually don't look at comments. They're um, put away because I get distracted, but someone was like, damn, I thought it was called the Ukraine. So um, because of all the reports I did for Ukraine, uh, I would have to say the Ukraine, the Ukraine, the Ukraine. So for me, it's easy to keep saying the Ukraine. And even when people were editing all my articles about Ukraine in 2018, 2019, and 2020, they would constantly delete the word the because that was something that I just kept writing over and over again because it was was a very pivotal moment in my life, 2014. Very. So um, I think it's important (laughs) that we take it from the beginning, that we delve into history, and understand, uh, what it is, is actually going on in Ukraine right now. So to understand this, oops, win. to understand this, you have to see what the news told you today about Putin, because, you know, That'll tell you a lot. Just that will set the tone and then we'll go back in time. But before we do that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So here we are. So yesterday, uh, documentation from uh, meetings, meetings. Do you remember the Zoom calls? Right? You guys remember the Zoom calls, right? Where the federal employees were staging a coup and all that stuff. And they said, you know, people want to go in the Capitol. We're just going to let them. Well, what if I told you that federal employees from the DOJ, DEA, Department of Interior, right? All of these places just had a retreat and a meeting to talk about a federal coup. The question you should ask yourself is wait, they're organizing protests, right? So we've, uh, uh, like, what has been identified by us is we've seen the youngsters, the older ones, and then the federal employees. And uh, yesterday I reached out uh, to someone that I know is running in a state to bring to their attention that, you know, I need you to take a look at this because I think there's a false front there. So they're putting on a front of a legitimate 501C to run all their operations. (laughs) And so I'm just going to kind of like touch base on, on some of the things that are in this retreat uh, and what was discussed. Just a few. I'm just going to touch base, right? Not a lot. I'm just going to touch a little bit of base. Um, But it's quite fascinating because I was kind of like, are you kidding me? Um, Objectives. Write this on a big piece of paper, Um, For federal employees, they need to know their rights to dissent and organize in the workplace, know their rights as a private citizen, strategize about how to build solidarities in the workplace, and build a local network across agencies. So translation, know how allowed you are to organize and you know, resist doing things within your agency. So if you're in the DOJ, know when you can say, no, I'm not going to help. And know when you can say, hey, guys, let's all coordinate together that we're totally not helping Christopher Ray." So how do we do this? So that's one. The other one is they need to know their rights as a private citizen. Like as a private citizen, what are they allowed to do outside of the workplace and how they can utilize it? Number three is that they need to strategize of how to build solidarities within the workplace, meaning how do they can all collude and create their own little groups in order to stymie their agency from working, right? Sounds so weird. Sounds so communist, like <laughs> if you ask me. And then it's like build local network across agencies. So the DOJ should be linking up with the DEA and DHS and the Department of Employment. Jeez, biscuit, you're embarrassing me. And uh, the Department of Interior and 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 now during this. They said the materials that were needed when they entered were their sign-up sheets, their clipboards, their pens, and the main name tags. The note cards uh, will say what their concern is or what they want out of it. And then um, what else? They have to like label what agency they're at. So where's the mm, team introduces themselves, um, introduces their agency, who they work for, where they work for. And so they all got together. Um, they have to use appropriate language, of course, respect and listen to one another. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you want to guess who the Q and A speakers are? I just want you guys to take a wild guess of who the Q and A speakers were at this, um, retreat of super woke commies that work for the federal government. You guessed it. Miss Starrett, the author of the OSHA document that was, oh, by the way, pulled today. And Maria Stefan, the only person that nobody talked about. Everyone was talking about Lisa Fithian. Even Bannon, when he had the stuff, was talking about Lisa Fithian. Everyone was talking about Lisa Fithian. And it was all about Maria Stefan. And you have to ask yourself, why is it? That no one focused on Maria Stefan, who is besties with Esper, former, former DOD. Kind of, I mean, she's never former, right? And on top of that, she's also part of the Peace Institute. You should take a look into that. So that all happened this week. And tomorrow we're going to talk about more about their retreat, more about what they're doing, right? Because today the DHS, uh, you know, decided to put out, oh my gosh, you know, there's a report that there's specific plans to attack the U.S. power. That's so funny because I'm pretty sure the resist retreat was discussing the Department of Energy's options of a federal walk away, we're not working, or hack. Oh, (laughs) But it's what? What did they say? It's anti-government extremist group that works for the federal government. It's so freaking weird. Let me guess. They're all alt, right? What are they? Disgruntled righties? Hmm. Because we're gonna have a blackout, and it's gonna be huge. Because the reason is you're not allowed to see what's really going on. I mean, the revolution is going on worldwide, across the world, and only through Telegram. Only through Telegram. Are we seeing what's really happening? Only through Telegram are we seeing videos of what is really happening. Only through Telegram, we're seeing the protests, we're seeing the resistance, oh, and now, oh my God, Russia's coming! Oh my God, Russia's coming! But then, there's reports like this that make you go, "Wait, it, uh, they're c- coming!" But then, then why did you let them
0: grab you by the? Gahona's so weird. Watch this. London, CNN business and undersea pipeline set to deliver gas from Russia to Germany has become exactly what the two countries have always insisted it would never be, a weapon in a geopolitical crisis. The United States, United Kingdom, Ukraine and several European Union member states have fiercely opposed the pipeline ever since it was first announced in 2015, warning the project would boost Moscow's influence in Europe. The one, kilometer 750-mile, pipeline was completed in September and is now awaiting final certification. But even though the pipeline isn't operational yet, it has already acted as a huge wedge between the traditional allies at a time of huge tensions between Russia and the West. According to experts, that on its own is a win for Russian President Vladimir Putin, Christine Berzina. A senior fellow at the German Marshall Fund of the United States, a non-partisan research center, said Moscow has benefited from the drama around the pipeline. Everything about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline has been a victory for Russia, she told CNN. Given that Russia's aim is to split everybody, if they're seeking to break apart unity in the European Union and in NATO, this pipeline has been a wonderful vessel. For years, Both Russia and Germany argued T. But in Central and Eastern Europe, where gas supplies from Russia play an essential role in power generation and home heating, few topics are more political than energy security. With natural gas prices already near a record high, many fear further tension could cause more pain to European consumers. And more strain to European
2: consumers, let's think. So 2015, they decided to go ahead and start the pipeline. And they built that pipeline. So that way, Iran doesn't have full access to it. That was the deal that Russia cut. Let me show you how this deal went, okay? Because President Trump was calling this shit out from the beginning. And it's like, no. <laughs> you know, actually, I think I have a clip that'll make you laugh. Um... Here we go. So, okay. So as you know, um, well, if you've listened to my older shows, but in summary, uh, Turkey, geographically where they are, they have pipelines that feed uh, oil and gas uh, to Europe going through there. And those were deals that were done under the Clintons, um, you know, most of the pipage, right? That was done under the Clintons. World Bank funded most of it. It was like huge, right? And they let Erdogan take over to control him. They took out his buddy in Egypt. They say, yeah, you're not going to be in power. Fuck that. You're crazy. We're putting in your place. Sit there. Shut up. But he got emboldened because he was like, Man, I got the keys. I could turn this shit off. None of you, all of you will freeze in Europe. You'll have no, sh- no, anything. Okay. No heat. You will die. And they were like, Hey, don't, don't push us. My huh? China's backing me. And then Russia's like, Yeah, man. You know, even though we're competitors and I am totally building a pipeline since like four years ago, I'll buy you an ice cream. True story. True story. <laughs> Putin got both ice cream cones. Who does that remind you of? That totally reminds you of Biden, right? Because if you notice, he got two scoops, he got chocolate and vanilla, and Erdogan only got one. (laughs) So weird. So weird so weird. And there he was showing him the new equipment he's going to buy in 2019. And if you remember, there was a big fuss in 2018 and 2019, because Erdogan was like, "Yeah, Russia's got my back. Russia's going to be doing the natural gas up in Germany. That's okay. I got the Mediterranean and I got China. So I'm good. And China's got my back. And it's like, <laughs> China has only China's back. And so this is how the plan goes. All right. So the deal was, uh, you know, uh, we're going to get that stronghold and come in. Now, what happened was Obama was like, oh, man, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Putin was like, listen, man, you know, Turkey is getting all of this and I've got all this natural gas and I can't go through Turkey because they're charging. There's uh, Azerbaijan that they're getting from. They're getting it from the Far East. We We got to suss this. Stop. Putin's like, no, man, you're not going to play me. Listen. I'm okay with you doing that whole Iran thing, right? But you need to give me the North and we're going to build this pipeline. So in 2015, Obama's like, all right, all right, if you help me with the Iran thing, I'll help you with the Iran thing. I'll help you with the bills you need to pay and I'll help you take out Trump. (laughs) Really? Yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure that I'll just look the other way, right? So then Obama's like, all right, maybe we'll do the pipeline. So 2014 crawls around and then Putin's like, well, if you're doing the pipeline, I'm taking Ukraine because you guys aren't going to be giving me a pipeline if you own Ukraine. And Ukraine is a problem for me because that's my territory right there, the waters and everything. So I'm taking Crimea and Obama's like, no, you're not. He's like, well, then, then we're going to have a problem. So they started to get in heated discussion, so they agreed, all right, fine. Uh, You could take Crimea. Nope, 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 that's not good because then Erdogan's going to figure it out because you're going to give me the pipeline. So you give me the pipeline and I take Crimea, but we have to stage a war. That's fine. My people. But the Crimeans just want to go with Russia. We'll make it look like they don't. We'll send our own people in there. And we'll make it look like they rebelled and shit and that you stole them. And we'll tell the world you stole them, but you'll get a pipeline out of it, okay? Just shut up, Putin. He's like, all right, fine. <laughs> and so that's how it went. And Obama stepped in in 2014. Wrote this fantastic aid package in April. We're going to give them all this money for elections Because Ukraine was like, we need guns because Russia is going to take us. They were like, you don't need guns. We're going to fix your elections. We need the right president. You have the right leader. We'll fix it. So take a seat, please, because me, Barack Hussein Obama, is going to send my smartest loser out there, Biden, and he's going to take care of it. In the meantime, Ukrainians like, wait a minute, there's a fix in here. I'm not understanding. So they've already gone to Lithuania saying, yo, they're getting a lot of money from the U.S., and they're selling our country off to Europe and the U.S., and I think this is a catch-22. We Ukrainians are not going to be independent. Russia's taking us. That's the deal they're like no, no, no Russia's not taking it that's the deal dude that's the deal they're going to pretend because they're going to topple Europe and it's going to be one government and then it's going to be Russia, China and then this one government and then they're going to fight and then it's over so this guy's going and he's filing all these crimes right he doesn't say all that but you know that's like the greater plan you're not supposed to know about that because in 2063 Africa's going to be the leading power but anyway let's keep going so yeah, they're, they're filing paperwork in Lithuania for crimes and Bribes and shit. It doesn't matter. It still happens. You know, this is why we saw the same (laughs) people down in Ukraine in DC too. (laughs) Same actor, same ploy, same event. Elections. So at the time that there was an annexation in Crimea, right? Or Crimea River, I win, my name's Putin, because this is what he's doing right now. Ukraine is having elections and they're s- installing Poroshenko, which, by the way, Russia is so busy annexing uh, Crimea <laughs> that they hacked the elections. That's why they stopped counting in the middle of the night, kind of like they did in the U.S., right? They stopped counting in the middle of the night saying, oh, my God, we were hacked by Russia. And then in the morning, the guy they the, the, the U.S. wanted uh, became president. You know, the guy that was like, "Oh, you know, you want the money? You got to do this. So let's start from there. Let's start from... Let's start to what the news are telling me. A history of Crimea. Oh, and you remember, it was at the time in 2014 when Obama was writing this aid package that right before that... Uh, you know, Joe Biden was doing his quid pro Joe and then Hunter Biden was installed in Burisma in Ukraine as part of the board. And then, you know, all this money went there and like president Trump said, they just gave him a lot of pillows and shit. They didn't give him guns. They didn't want to help him because they were taking them over and they were handing them over to Russia because Russia was smarter. But, 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 but Obama thought that he was smarter. So, Here's what the news tell you happened. And take it with a grain of salt, of course. You've seen that movie before.
0: It's violent.
3: Riddled with ethnic hatred, dangerous tensions, bullying, nationalist bravado. But it's not just Vladimir Putin and the Russians who have a passion for the Crimean peninsula. Guys, spot the feds. The Crimea is a sparkling jewel set enticingly in the Black Sea. It's been coveted by many peoples and nations over 2,000 years of history. The Huns, the Goths, and the Mongols, as well as the Greeks and the Turks, were just some of the settlers and invaders who wanted to possess it. But the Russian Empire, led by Catherine the Great, annexed the Crimea in 1783 as part of her ambition to push south starting a love affair with the peninsula, which prevails today. The current efforts of Britain and other European allies to contain Russian ambitions in the Crimea have echoes in history, but with a much bloodier outcome. Cannon to right of them, cannon to left of them, cannon in front of them, volleyed and thundered, stormed at with shot and shell, boldly they rode and well into the jaws of death into the mouth of hell rode the 600 the charge of the light brigade one of the most dramatic moments in the crimean war when britain and her allies attempted to stop russian expansionism using the crimean peninsula as a bridgehead it gave us terms like the thin red line and the first victoria cross this permanent exhibition at the national army museum on the crimean campaign shows how it was the birthplace of modern nursing There's even an example of one of Florence Nightingale's lamps. No matter how indelibly printed the Crimea campaign is on British history, that is insignificant in comparison to what it means to the Russians. The Crimean Peninsula is indelibly burnt onto the Russian psyche. It is the jewel in their crown. And it remained so until it was snatched by Germany in World War II. The German assault sparked some of the bloodiest fighting on the Eastern Front in the summer of 1942, until a massive offensive regained the Crimea for Moscow two years later.
4: They are preparing to evacuate to the Crimea, taking Soviet civilians with them for slave labour.
3: The Crimea then played its part in the future of the world when Churchill, Roosevelt and Stalin met at Yalta in 1945 to carve the shape of the post-war global landscape.
2: Wait a minute. Did you read that? Hear that? They met Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt to carve the global landscape. Remember what I told you about that? They took Korea, right? The nation, a unified Korea, and picked the 45th degree. These two people, they didn't even call Korea. They didn't even say, hey, Korea. Guess what? We're going to be splitting your nation up. What do you think, Korea? And it's like, um, no, they didn't even fucking call them. They just said, okay, there's a border now. This is North Korea. This is South Korea. Did you hear that? They were carving the global landscape. That's what Hillary was planning to do. You know with this whole pandemic and locking people down and uh, so this is history telling you what's happening here. Remember, they they didn't even call the Koreans and say, yo, Korea, guess what? We're going to give the Northern territory to Russia because Stalin asked for it. And the Southern territory can be uh, governed by the United States. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Um, I'm sorry. I, I, why is Korea getting picked by? And why are you creating borders? Excuse me. No, they didn't even freaking call them. They didn't even freaking call. Them. And not only that, Russia had control of North Korea and China came in and said, fuck you. I'm taking them. The Koreans were like, yeah, I think the Chinese are better for us. You're Russian. Like, uh, no offense. We don't look alike and we don't have like the same shit. So that, that's real history in a nutshell. But let's continue.
3: Between the Stalin quickly moved to change the ethnic balance of the peninsula in favor of Russians. He deported 200,000 ethnic Tatars, who he accused of collaborating with the Nazis. Soon, though, the Crimea became a resort area for the Soviet elite. Gorbachev had a holiday dacha here. More than a million Russians still take their annual vacation on the peninsula.
5: This place is a nice place. I really like it here.
3: The root of today's conflict lies in a whimsical decision taken by Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev in 1954.
6: Most of the people in Crimea have never been um, happy with the fact that Khrushchev, 60 years ago, without consulting them, detached uh, their region from uh, the Russian Republic and gave it to Ukraine. It didn't matter very much in Soviet times, but it certainly mattered after the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991.
3: Tension over the Crimea. In
2: I'm so sorry. Did you guys hear that? That the Crimeans were sent to go with Ukraine without being asked when they wanted to stay with Russia. Are you listening carefully? Right? In the 50s, they said, no, 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 Crimea is not Russian anymore. It's Ukrainian. And the Crimeans were like, uh, no, no, we're Russian. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just listen
3: quickly through the 90s when Kiev and Moscow squabbled over the future of Russia's Black Sea fleet at Sebastopol and it's still seen by Putin as a Russian strategic necessity. In law the Crimea is Ukrainian but in the hearts of many, perhaps most Russians, it was only ever on loan to their neighbor. Now Crimea is just days away from a referendum on secession. (laughs) Never shy of showing his enthusiasm for the region, Vladimir Putin unexpectedly turned up here at a Russian nationalist biker convention, and now, just as unexpectedly, Russian troops have stolen back the Crimean jewel. Sam Kylie, Sky News.
2: Okay, hold on a second. <laughs> I didn't know that you steal it. <laughs> By riding in with a Harley, while all the Crimeans are waving... Russian flag. So, so weird. It's like someone taking freaking Montana and saying it's Canadian. And then, you know, the Canadians are there and they're like, yeah, you know, we're not Canadian. Uh, the guy 40 years ago that said we're part of Canada, totally not. We're American and we're having a referendum, which by the way, the Crimeans voted 94% to go with Russia, but people are saying Russia annexed it. And it's like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Everyone's being taught that Crimea was being annexed, but the history is telling you something else completely, right? And he stole it, riding in on a Harley while everyone tears, okay? That's that's the history they're telling you. But I'm like, in 2014, when people were seeing this, did they really not see through it? Like, it doesn't look like he took them over. This is so weird. Crimea voted for Russia, They wanted out of Ukraine because nobody asked them to put them there. So um, (laughs) it's like, um, that's awkward, right? Super awkward, super awkward. So now let's go to the Crimean War. Yeah, because there was... Stop. Let's just pay attention to, to the history, they tell us quickly. Because history does matter. This is from the 1800s, so pay attention
7: in the Ottoman Empire has declared war on the Russian Empire. Why? Well there's lots of reasons but
8: the most immediate was that the Russian Emperor Nicholas I was
7: legally the protector of Christians within the Ottoman Empire. Napoleon III the Emperor of the French wanted this position and the Ottomans caved and gave it to him. This was unacceptable and so Nicholas sent his armies into the Ottomans Danubian Principalities nominally to protect the Christians of the Empire. This led to the Ottoman Sultan Abdul Majid I declaring war on the Russians. For the great powers of Europe, the war wasn't something they wanted. The British didn't want the Ottomans to lose and for Russia to gain too much. The French were basically looking to throw off the memories of the Napoleonic Wars by increasing their international prestige. As for the Austrian Empire, they were on good terms with the Russians, since the Russians had aided them by putting down the Hungarian Revolution of 1848. However, Austria was concerned with Russia's growing influence in the Balkans, especially its links to the Slavic and Orthodox populations there. Prussia simply opted for neutrality. So the Russians quickly won a naval victory at the Battle of Sinop, sinking the Ottoman fleet there, but after that action was sparse. By 1854, Britain and France were concerned that the Russians would be victorious, and so gave them an ultimatum. Withdraw your forces or risk Anglo-French intervention. The Russians did not, and so both Britain and France declared war. So Russia did have a gargantuan army, but its numbers were limited by the system of serfdom, since the serfs were needed to work and the nobles didn't want to give them rifles. By mid-1854, the Russians had withdrawn from the Danubian principalities, which the Austrians then occupied. The main assault against the Russians began in September of 1854, with the Allies landing in Crimea. They pushed to the south, looking to capture the important fortress of Sevastopol. The Russians chose to meet them here at the Battle of Alma, whereby they were pushed back by the British and French forces. One of the reasons for the Russian loss was that Allied troops been issued with the new rifled muskets which had greater range and accuracy than those of the Russians. After their victory at Ulmer, the Allies moved south and encircled Sevastopol. The British suffered from issues of professionalism during the Crimean campaign. Their officers weren't selected on merit and the soldiers were forced to consume awful rations. The horrendous condition saw the spread of disease, mostly cholera, which killed far more soldiers than combat did. One nurse, Florence Nightingale, was instrumental in reforming the medical practices in the military and made many demands for improvements. Anywho, the Russians didn't simply sit there and let the allies besieged Sevastopol. They launched multiple attacks against the Allied positions, the most famous being their attempt to recapture Balaclava in order to break the siege. This battle saw the famous charge of the Light Brigade, a complete slaughter of the British cavalry. So 1855 was a big year for the war. One, Sardinia joined on the Allied side and sent many thousands of troops to aid them. This was mostly so it could discuss Italian unification with Britain and France in a good light. Two, the British and French began naval assaults in the Baltic Sea to disrupt shipping and hurt Russian trade, but also to prevent the movement of troops south to Crimea. And three, Nicholas I of Russia died and was succeeded by Alexander II, who sought to continue the war until victory. This led to the Russians attempting several more times to relieve Sevastopol, including an attempted invasion of the Ottoman Empire via the Caucasus. All of their attempts failed and in September of 1855, Sevastopol fell, mostly to a French assault. The Crimean War was now lost for the Russians and they agreed to a peace treaty in early 1856. The conditions were that one, all sides would give back any occupied territory except for Russia who would lose a tiny bit of territory here. Two, Russia Russia would no longer be the protector of Christians within the Ottoman Empire and three, the Black Sea was to remain demilitarised. For the Russians, the war was a complete humiliation, and it became clear that major reforms were needed. For the Ottomans, the war brought back some of its prestige, and was a stopgap in its decline. For the British, the war, whilst a victory, was embarrassing. For the French, the war was truly a victory in all spheres. They'd won back a great deal of prestige, and they demonstrated that their army was once again the greatest in Europe. After which France and Napoleon III would ride a high forevermore, and absolutely nothing or no one whatsoever could ruin it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for watching. A special thanks to James Business, Azarka Flash, So you Henry guys Rabban can get with- some
2: history on how everyone wanted Crimea. But the key thing there is Russia came down from the Caucasus to get the Ottoman Empire, today's Turkey. And then they went the other way. So they were like, stop, just you're not going to, you're, we're taking Crimea. If you know, that's it. And they're like, all right, fine. We won't protect the Christians anymore, and we're going to leave Turkey alone, okay? Like, let's just get on with it. They were like, okay, regroup, and let's plan again. But, Tori, Putin wasn't alive then. Yeah, because history is not handed down from person to person. Please. Now, here is a report from Vice News, of course, telling you how the Crimeans were playing Russian roulette. Oh, keep in mind that elections in in, in Ukraine were happening, too. The election date was May 25th. And this is from March of 2014, March 18th, so two months before the elections in Ukraine. Uh, you know, the Crimea, you know, rejoin Russia. It's Russian. How dare they? How
9: Добрый день, меня зовут Симон Островский, я журналист из Vice News, это американское интернет-издание. Очень приятно. Я к вам пришел, потому что ну, вчера был референдум, и мне интересно, изменилась ли ситуация каким-то образом для вас, вот в частности, как представителя украинских военных служб.
5: Для меня ничего не поменялось.
9: То есть вам новых приказов никаких не дали?
5: Пока нет.
9: А, ну, вчера мы проезжали, тут не было БТР, это небольшое нет, вы, изменение. Вы, вы ошибаетесь, вчера он стоял. А, правда? Да, вчера он стоял, вчера он стоял. А, я хотел с ребятами тоже поговорить, но у них, видимо, приказ ну, остается это... не, не говорить с прессой, а они вам что говорят?
5: Ну, это вооруженные силы Российской Федерации, в они тоже ничего не говорят. Де юры, российских войск
9: на территории АР Крым нету Де факто, вот.
2: So for those of you listening on the podcast for the first minute, this is vice news, you know, totally just news, right? Not assets, of course. Walking up to the Ukrainian military who's in Crimea after the referendum and saying, yo, so how's it going, dude? Like, what's going on? Like, are you still here? Like, you know, I don't see. Like, what's changed for you? Have gotten any orders? He's like, no. So, so no real war or bloodbath. And then, fed, 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 right? And then he's like, oh, these soldiers, he's like, oh, they're Russian, because this is Russian territory now. Hello. Um, so it seems really weird. So let's continue. That was the first, you know, minute and a half.
9: Uh, yesterday, the referendum прошел They announced that almost 100% voted for the press.
2: So what Ukraine said, so he tells him, well, the referendum happened and almost a hundred percent of Crimeans voted to go with Russia. And so is this Russia or is it Ukraine? He's like, well, the Ukraine didn't approve their parliament to make that vote. So it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) So, you know, I just, I I needed to throw that in there because that was just hilarious.
9: It's Monday, the day after the referendum, which the local authorities say passed almost unanimously in favor of joining Russia. And I'm trying to figure out what country I'm in. According to the officer in the military police station behind me, we're still in Ukraine, but according to the Russian soldiers standing by the APC, well, they're still not saying anything at all. But the local parliament here just appealed to Russia to officially allow them to join the Russian Federation as a new region
2: wait i thought that there was a bloodbath and um you know the russians took it over wait a minute they were annexed like super hard they took over it wasn't like you know you know what annexation is cyprus 1974 you know we should actually compare this that annex with that one just just pay attention here go bloodbath just deals
9: Ребята, можно спросить? В первый раз вижу такие формы. Вы form
10: Бывший a bear
9: hood. a now that the Crimean parliament has officially requested that Russia allow it to become a Russian region, it's up to the Kremlin in Moscow to decide when Crimea becomes Russia. Здравствуйте. Я пытаюсь понять, в какой мы стране сегодня утром. вы из какой армии? Я вообще-то из Запорожских казаков. А, это вообще не армия. Какой
11: страны? <laughs>
2: <laughs> she said they've bitten off more they more than they can chew. All 28 countries of the EU and that piece of shit America. <laughs>
12: И попер горло
11: останем. Мы them. не, да? Мы все Russians. русские. У нас одни корни, у нас одна история,
2: одни победы, одни трубле. We see, our genes are Russian, we're holy orthodox Russia. What else is there to say?
10: мы русские все. Мы русичи, мы святая православная Русь. Что ещё им рассказать? Больше нечего. Не...
11: Ну пусть сидят там. Ну, а то
2: часто.
10: научим лапшу лапшу и лаптями
2: хлебать. Ну, Они давно не нюхали сап- Oh, she's telling the Ukrainians, yeah, they haven't tasted the boot yet of a Russian soldier for a while. They've forgotten.
5: What?
9: Uh,
2: what? He said, we'll show the Judeo-Masonic orders. Who's boss? Are you guys listening? This is history. Where were you when this was happening? Right, this happened what six to eight years ago. What, what you heard? Oh, whoa. Russia annexed Crimea. Um, doesn't sound like annexation. It sounds like a bunch of Montanans saying, "Wait, but we're American. We are American. We're not Canadian." Nope, you want Canada? We're American. You see, hmm
9: these guys are doing a special back the truck out of the yard operation so they don't really have time to talk to us
2: i'm sorry can we just 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 take have a pregnant pause here for a second They're doing a special back-the-truck-out-of-the-yard operation and cannot talk to us. Is he trying to create drama when there's no drama? Like everyone's going about their business. They're waiting for Russia to say, um, you're part of Russia now.
9: Mission accomplished. This is a courthouse that was a prisoner truck. Um, I wonder who the courts are working for nowadays. Not sure if anybody's actually going to come out from the courthouse to explain the legal situation here, but uh, meanwhile the acting prime minister of Crimea said on Twitter that only laws that were passed in Ukraine before the 21st of February are going to have legal force, which works out really well for the Crimean parliament because the Ukrainian national parliament dissolved the Crimean parliament after February 21st. Well, they told me it's a day off in court. Come back tomorrow.
2: Guys, I'm sorry. Like, is this reporter dumb? Yesterday, a nation finally got back a piece of their nation that was given away without asking the people of the nation. It's like someone saying, you know what? Uh, Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee, and Mississippi, and Alabama are now considered... Spanish Mexican territory. (laughs) And then for some reason, Mexicans are in charge of Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee, right? And then one day, uh, Mexico says, all right, here's what we're doing. We're all going to be part of South America. And then the states that were taken by Mexico for some backdoor deal nobody knows uh, because the United States was in a weakened position, Right? Uh, they're like, well, yeah. So we don't want to be part of South America. Uh, we're actually part of North America. We'd like to stick to the United States. We were always there. Someone like moved us there 50 years ago without asking us. We had no say. We're supposed to be free people, inalienable rights and all. So, um, yeah, we're not doing that. We're not getting into the European Union. We're not doing that. We're not going to do the EU's bidding. America's not going to tell us what to do. We're going to just, dis- you know, Mexico's not going to tell us what to do. America's not going to tell. No one is. We are. So how's a, how's all of us get together and just do a vote? So all the states get together and say, yeah, so we were always part of the United States. Yeah. Sorry. We share the same history with the rest of the United States. We share the same... Failures and victories with the United States, from the Declaration of Independence to da 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 da. da. So yeah, we're not Mexican. Um, sorry. And then the next day, a reporter goes to show how America took o- the United States took over those states back from Mexico, and they're upset that the court's not working. It's like, um, dude, the government just changed. You sound insane. Like you would expect them to be working and answering your questions. Can
9: you
11: tell what this delegation of 50 person is going to do in Moscow?
2: Государственная
9: дума, значит, Совет Федерации, так что в Кремле мы будем на програмно.
11: Either just pay to give you money quickly.
9: don't know. This is первого дня просить деньги это просто некрасиво, и тем более, что мы самодостаточная республика, которая сама зарабатывает
0: like,
2: you want money from Russia? He's like, it's not polite to ask for money on the first day anyway, we're self-sufficient. I mean, they are one of the richest areas in gas, and they've got the most popping tourism.
9: These are all of the uh, politicians in Crimea. They're heading off to Moscow now to meet their new overlords.
5: There are no politicians in Crimea. There are only puppets, puppets and thieves.
9: So you're a Ukrainian? I'm Russian. You're Russian? Yeah. Are you from Crimea? Yeah. I'm local. You're local. And can you tell me how you feel about the fact that Crimea is going to become a part of Russia?
10: That's sad
6: because Russia uh, um, loses Ukraine as a
2: uh, fraternal nation.
9: We're going to meet a Ukrainian activist who...
2: Actually, here's what I can tell you about Crimea. Okay, actual reports that can be FOIA, probably. But this is, let's just say, my own personal knowledge. The Crimeans were very, very upset that Russia didn't fight for them. As their politicians, the Crimean politicians were actually installed by Ukrainians, which were all vetted by Goldman Sachs. Right. And they were suddenly taken in by the IMF and they had debt. Because the fact that Crimea became part of Russia meant that Russia had to pay Crimea's debt to the IMF. And if you remember the Oliver Stone, are you from the Ukraine? No, I'm Russian. I'm from here. So he identifies as Russian being in Crimea, not Ukrainian. So weird. So weird. But um, you should watch that Oliver Stone interview with Putin. It'll, it'll, you know, Putin holds nothing back. The media, though, obfuscates the actual truth.
9: I spoke with on the phone. He told me that the security services are calling him, his family, friends, and threatening them, and so they're pretty scared right now.
5: Because, we try so, not to meet we if угодно сказать, что мы экстремисты, террористы. Mm-hmm. Поэтому мы стараемся держать все это в телефонном режиме, э, с сообщениями и лично стараемся не встречаться. Потому что очень-очень опасно именно в Крыму. Если бы мы были в другом регионе, возможно, бы, действовали бы больше открыто. А так как здесь сейчас 60 тысяч вооруженных российских солдат и правительство захвачено пророссийскими солдатами и людьми, приходится всем, кто украинец, Жить словно в оккупации, как во Второй мировой войне, словно. Они обещали соответствующие зарплаты там и так далее, но мы это
9: дело сразу категорически отказали. Также отказали категорически перейти на сторону Российской Федерации. Все, мы находимся в своей территории и ждем соответствующее решение. Сколько там военнослужащих Российской Федерации и крымских самооборонцев? Российских Федераций военнослужащих примерно человек 30-40
2: So basically now the Ukrainian military is in Crimea and he's interviewing uh, people there. And he's like, you know, we were given the choice. Do we join the Russian Federation or we stay with Ukraine? We chose to stay with the Ukraine. So we're just staying here waiting for orders. Now there's about 30 or 40, you know, Russian soldiers and a couple of defectors. Defectors are the Ukrainian, um, uh, the Crimeans that identified as Ukrainian (laughs) that decided to go with the Russian Federation.
9: So, um,
2: over 50% of his soldiers decided, so basically, he had 110 soldiers, 60 of them decided to join the Russian Federation, 50 of them stayed with Ukraine.
9: This is a truck depot belonging to the Ukrainian Navy, and one of the commanders told us that 60 of his men have gone over to the Russian side, and 50 remain loyal. The Russian flag's already flying here, and there are Russian troops in there as well, but he's refusing to surrender. Today, Crimea's parliament declared independence from Ukraine and its intention to join Russia, but the situation is definitely still in flux. Crimea's not fully Russia yet, but it is feeling more Soviet because according to the official results of the referendum, 80 percent of the population turned out to vote and fully 97 percent voted to join Russia. Given that there's 13 (laughs) percent Crimean Tatars here and 20 percent Ukrainians, that's a pretty questionable result.
2: Questionable result. All of them are identifying as Russian and the actual military, more than half, joined the Russian Federation who were literally given as collateral to the European Union, to Ukraine, to then be taken over by the EU. Like, I mean, I, I don't see how, how that's that doesn't make sense to him.
9: Как называется эта страна?
2: He went there to ask them, what country is this? The one that he said, oh, that's funny. There's only a small percentage of Russians and Tartans here. I'm going to ask these Ukrainians by the border what country I'm in. And they started screaming Russia and they're dancing. <laughs> oh, no, we'll talk about Tartar later. But it's it seems, you know, they were really excited about it. So now uh, I'm just saying, so what, what, uh, what? <laughs> When you hear someone say, Russia annexed Crimea, uh, how do you respond to that question or that statement? I mean, at that point, you're just like, you know what an annexation is? It's an invasion, right? Where you take over. Let me show you. um, There's this video. Hold on. Where'd it go? Um, This one. This is from AP. This happened in 1974.
5: The tanks have not left the streets of Nicosia, despite yesterday's promise by the new government that the military presence would become less apparent. Certainly, there are fewer roadblocks, but the government's hope that with the coup over, Cyprus could quickly assume some facade of normality has not been realized. In a new effort to encourage shops and cafes to open, the curfew has been extended to 7 o'clock this evening. People with so many troops still around feel safer indoors. The exodus out of Cyprus began at first light this morning. Immediately, the six o'clock curfew was lifted. By seven, the airport was packed with tourists, Scandinavians and Germans, but mostly British tourists who have traveled from Kyrenia, Limassol and Famagusta. Last night, and again this morning, Cyprus radio, controlled now by the new government, announced that chartered jets would fly into Nicosia Airport to take out all those tourists who could get to the airport in time. Because of the curfew, many had slept overnight in the departure hall. They at least got the first tickets on the first flights out. A British Airways scheduled flight took off at 8 o'clock on time. By midday, there were 16 airliners lined up by the main terminal, and more are expected.
13: In theory, there's free movement throughout the whole island. In practice, Greek Cypriots hardly ever enter Turkish areas, and Turks move into Greek areas only when it's absolutely essential. In the Turkish areas, the flags and portraits of the father of modern Turkey, Kemal Ataturk, are everywhere. The only flag that challenges them is that of the United Nations, which moves almost continuously through the streets. Despite the fact that the Turkish areas are supposed to be isolated, shops are filled with new expensive items and newly imported cars seem to move freely. For all the dispute between the two communities, President Makarios made it his business to see the Turkish population received these supplies to underline his claim that Turkey was wrong in saying that the Turkish Cypriot community was besieged and threatened. But today, after the Greek-led coup, in which the Turkish community suffered neither casualties nor damage, the Turkish Cypriots once again feel genuinely threatened. I asked the leader of the Turkish Cypriot community, Mr. Ralph Denktash, whether he trusted the word of the new Greek leader here, Nikos Sampson, that the Turkish Cypriots had now nothing to fear. My Lord, certain, it... Mr. Denktas, what do you think of the situation on Cyprus as it stands at the moment? Uh, dangerous. This is a takeover of the Greek administration, of the Greek sectors, by Greece, uh, by a studio of Greece, with the help of Greek officers. And if this thing is not put right now, in the future, to put it right, we will need a major war. Now we can do it with peaceful intervention. If Great Britain helps Turkey, and if United States, like Russia, points an accusing finger to Greece and says, you are wrong, you have done something wrong, it can be put right under the treaty of guarantee.
2: So Turkey needed to invade Cyprus, which was always Greek, and they did, and they went into war. That guy speaking was representing the Greek side, supposedly, of the side that was actually invaded. And they've divided the island completely. And that was part of the deal after they stripped the Ottoman Empire, of course, um, of their powers. They stripped them of their power of Mecca. Remember, the Turks, the Ottomans, used to control Mecca. They controlled a lot of places. And because they controlled over there, they're like, well, we want Cyprus. And they're like, yeah, so the Greeks are there. It's always been there for like forever and ever. Aphrodite washed up on their sores and shit. It's been there. They speak Greek. And they're like, we don't care. We want it. And they're like, yeah, so it's not going to happen. And then they're like, then we're going to have a bloody war in the Middle East. And they're like, okay, maybe we'll help.
6: Thursday morning, a week ago. The tanks of the Turkish army on the outskirts of Famagusta are about to complete their victory in Cyprus. The Geneva peace talks have collapsed. The Turks have lost patience, have given up words in favor of war. They will take what they want of Cyprus by force of arms. The Royal Fusiliers at the British military base of Tekalia watch the Turks with anxiety. The British base borders Famagusta. The Turks... (laughs) ...through the British base on their way to Famagusta, there'll be a confrontation. There is no communication between the two sides. Suddenly, without warning, the Turkish army opens fire on the base.
2: So that's what an annexation looks like when they're like, yeah, shh, here, open fire, open fire.
1: For the la- for the fifty minutes, I counted one hundred and twenty-five mortons had been shelled to all city. Do you imagine one hundred and twenty-five mortars to be shelled to from Well, uh, just before
0: the
1: tanks arrived, we had
8: a uh, very very heavy shelling by mortars and long range guns and everybody was uh, very upset but when suddenly we heard the word the tanks are here and everybody started rushing out the first thing we could think of was the safety of the women and children in case any more shells fell but I'm afraid there was no stopping anyone they just
3: poured out of the shelters they were all in the streets in fact in fact everyone was crying oh, yes,
12: yes, because they are hard people they are not same the Greek Cypriots, yes, which
6: they like live. everybody. If the Turkish authorities said that it would be perfectly all right for you to live there under their under their jurisdiction, their control, would you be happy about that?
11: No, because the Turkish are the more barbar people that there is in the world, so nobody. Barber, ca-
6: barbarous, you mean? Yes,
11: barbarous people who is in this uh, world so it is somewhat difficult to live under the Turkish authority.
6: You wouldn't do that? No. You would prefer, even if you had to lose your house, to live in the Greek side?
11: We prefer to be dead than to live under the Turkish authority.
12: You know how many thousand pounds I left in my house? I left my tractor, I left my combine, I left my wheat and barley, which I... is all my things, and I left them.
6: You have nothing to go back to
12: now? No, I don't think I could find back find anything. What do you Sorry.
6: think you will do now?
1: Kill myself. Kill myself. Oh.
6: Yes. Better to kill myself. If I go back to find, I mean, uh, my house. But, uh, why do you think that they will have destroyed things? There's no evidence that they have looted on a Hold. landscape.
11: Look that!
7: Who's that? In Pamagusta, the bombing.
2: There's no evidence, sir, that they've blown up your house and your city. Yeah? Really? What's that? Oh, well, there's no evidence. Smoke. Right? They blew it up because they said get out. Women, children, all stranded. Everyone a refugee. Right? And everyone's like, oh, whatever. Here they are talking. Oh, it's
11: all the people try to, to leave the village. We were so scared of those tanks. And... um we didn't take anything with us, but uh, we tried to, to leave the village as soon as possible. Have and you got nothing with you? No. no, we didn't take anything with us. When, when we heard the tanks, we, we, we left immediately.
6: And came here? Yeah. Um, what did you leave behind in the
11: village? We left everything our house, our property, everything. We didn't take anything with us. <laughs>
6: The scale of the Greek disaster is now sinking in. There are sudden, irrational outbursts of despair. This woman fears that her son is dead.
2: Sudden outbursts of despair. Listen to the narrative. I want you to listen. The tanks came and said, get out, because we're going to bomb this place. So they have to go. Just so you guys know, um, Cyprus had been under British influence a lot. So a lot of them speak English, British English. There's a lot of British English schools there, just so you know, um, so do speak English and they speak it with a Cypriot British accent. So she, this woman that lost everything, her son's missing that just fled with only the shirt on her back because they said so. Cause they said it's our territory now, piss off, right? He's saying, Oh, sudden outbursts. Uh, um, so weird
6: thinks that we're Americans, blames us for letting the Turks invade. And wants the crowd to drive us away.
1: She she, she, she uh, is Americans and uh, she thinks that we're from America and then good.
6: What has hap what, is she she has, has she, she has she lost part of her family? Yes uh, she's uh, she she's my, she's my mother. She's your mother. Yeah, my, what and what has happened my my brother no, is not founded don't yes, yet he, he, has he has been in the national
0: <laughs> yes, and so he, he don't has don't disappeared
6: south that it now holds nearly forty percent of Cyprus. As a result, the Turks hold more than two thirds of the island's wealth.
1: They have. They, they moved from Piroi to Athien yesterday. Now, from their forces in Piroi, they branched off this way.
6: Right. Glafkos Clarides, leader of the Greek Cypriots, knows that his people face catastrophe. Now, urging the world to act, he claims that the Turkish have not yet finished their work. Yes. And what is the situation then, so far as, as you're concerned? will have to fight in the hills. He won't negotiate till the Turks retreat. He's in a desperate position, but he remains defiant.
1: I think it is going to get uh, much worse. Uh, we have not seen yet uh, the worst of this tragedy. Um, my clear assessment of the situation is that the Turkish forces which landed in Cyprus are now putting away all the camouflage as to the purpose for which they landed and they are advancing despite repeated ceasefires with an intention to occupy the entire territory of the Republic of Cyprus.
6: You mean to turn Cyprus into part of
1: Turkey? To turn Cyprus in the 20th century to a Turkish colony and to subjugate the 80% of the Greek population to the 18% of the Turkish Cypriot population of
6: the island. If the Turks do virtually take over the whole island, there is nothing that you can do about it, is there sir?
1: Militarily, uh, they can occupy uh, the whole of Cyprus but they're not going to occupy it through a capitulation of ours. We certainly, we will fight, and there will come a time when Mr. Echewitz's armor car will not be so usable, because certainly we will fight in the hills.
6: You're talking about a guerrilla
1: warfare. I'm talking about a long protracted warfare which will wage from the hills. So are you saying therefore that it is
6: quite impossible unless they retreat enormously to have any kind of
1: peaceful solution that the war goes on? That is exactly what I am saying and what I am accusing them and uh, with some arguments to support my accusation is that if they do not retreat they intend to leave for the Greek Cypriots such an unprotective area that eventually, in order to survive, they will have, gradually, to emigrate and therefore they will turn Cyprus into a Turkish island. You either accept them or you reject them, then obviously we are not going to sit uh, at a table to legalize what Turkey has brought about by illegal actions.
6: Their homes have been looted their people killed. Yet now, they're free from the fear that has always been with them. For the first time in their lives, they have hope. A Turkish victory offers them security.
2: Now let me tell you something. That is what an annexation is. It's an invasion, is making a colony, okay? And so what you see here is the actual truth. This happened in the 20th century, like the guy said. They let it happen. But do you know why it stopped? right? Because anytime you meet a Greek, they hate Turks. (laughs) One, because they had the Greeks under slavery for 400 years, and two, because of what they did to Cyprus. And there's a saying in Greece, oh, what, are we sitting here and trying to solve the Cypriot issue? The Cypriot problem, meaning that they're still split in two. And we talked about their oil grab where they just went into Cyprus's waters and said, yeah, stop us. We're going to drill here. But it's Cypriot water, Yeah. Make me. And they just started drilling. Remember, they did that two years ago. Did that. But who was the one that helped the Cypriots and told the Turks to stop? It was Russia, the protector of the Christians, <laughs> right? So you have to see the moves that are happening. And you have to see how they're all happening. So um, going back to Ukraine, right? Uh, this is one of the most interesting Pieces of the puzzle, because now you're going to see what's happening today. This piece talks about how Russia lost the Ukraine and what happened. Take a listen.
8: Flashpoint of tension between Russia and the West. Since the Euromaidan Yor- revolution of 2014, fighting with Russian-backed separatists in the east of the country has killed over 13,000 people. The Crimean Peninsula has been occupied and unilaterally annexed. And with Russian troops building up at the Ukrainian border, we can ask, how did we get here? And what does Ukraine mean to Russia? Ukraine is very important to Russia. They trace their common history back nearly a thousand years to the Kingdom of Kievan Rus. Its capital, Kiev still goes by the nickname of Mother of Russian Cities. And for many Russians, including the Russian President Vladimir Putin, Ukraine is part of what he calls historic Russia. And Ukrainians and Russians are one and the same people. Roughly 30% of Ukrainians, mostly in the east of the country, speak Russian as a first language, and 15% of the population considers themselves to be ethnically Russian. And if we consider the borders of both the Russian Empire and the Soviet Union, in the past 300 years, Ukraine and Russia were part of the same country. And throughout that time, it was of strategic importance. Alongside Belarus, it served as a buffer for invasion, like during the Napoleonic Wars and the Two World Wars. The port of Sevastopol in Crimea has been Russia's main warm-sea water port. And after being part of the same country for so long, Ukraine was an important industrial base for weaponry. But that was until the Soviet Union broke apart in 1991. Bankrupted by its military operation in Afghanistan, the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, and an inefficient economy, it fell apart.
10: Wait,
2: let's talk about Afghanistan for a second. What happened in Afghanistan? I did a whole show on this where I told you about that. And how they, with the Taliban, how the Taliban was activated by the CIA. This is where Osama's first mm, came in, right? The whole Al-Qaeda started and the whole Taliban started. Where the Americans recruited the Taliban to come into Afghanistan to attack over on the Ukraine. You know, they took them chip by chip, chip by chip, 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 chip. Just this history.
8: ...after attempts at reform in the 1990s, with nationalist movements across the Union declaring independence. This was the fall of historic Russia.
10: The red flag came down over the Kremlin tonight as President Gorbachev resigned and brought to an end seven decades of communist rule in the Soviet Union.
5: ...15 independent states, which share only a disastrous economy and an uncertain future.
8: The Soviet Union lost its puppet states of the Warsaw Pact, And with the 15 Soviet republics gaining their independence, Russia lost Ukraine. In the space of two years, the map of Eastern Europe went from looking like this to this. In the aftermath, Russia and the other former Soviet republics signed divorce bills to normalize relations and facilitate trade. And in the case of Ukraine, this meant handing over 4,000 nuclear weapons in exchange for guarantees to its borders and sovereignty. The fall of the Soviet Union would also lead to new relations between Russia and the West, but these relations deteriorated from what Russia saw as Western advancement in its sphere of influence. When we look at changes to the map since the end of the Cold War, NATO went from looking like this to this, reducing the strategic buffer that Russia had from more than 2,000 kilometers to less than 1,000. For Russia, this was the breaking of what they say was a promise by the West to leave Russia its sphere of influence. Прежде всего, конечно, Соединенных Штатов перешагнула свои национальные границы и по сути во всех сферах. Получается, что НАТО выдвигает свои передовые силы к нашим государственным границам. И что стало с теми заверениями, которые давались западными партнерами после распуска Варшавского Договора? It's a promise to US and NATO deny ever existed, but despite it having never been formalized, and Russia now exaggerating how it was formulated it is clear that on some level, there was the expectation that this would be the case. And that is where Ukraine enters the discussion. After the fall of the Soviet Union, it attempted to keep a balance between Russia and the West, avoiding integration with either. While many of the former states joined regional organizations led by Russia, Ukraine mostly stayed away. But the country was deeply corrupt and controlled by oligarchs. And following an election widely reported as rigged by Western observers in 2004, a large protest movement called the Orange Revolution took to the streets. In part due to Western support for the protesters, the election was rerun, and the reformist opposition led by Viktor Yushchenko won. This marked the beginning of a rapprochement between Ukraine and the West. The country was invited to become part of NATO in 2008, and it joined the EU's Eastern Partnership in 2009. But in 2010, the reformists who were damaged by political infighting between the president and the prime minister lost the election to Viktor Yanukovych. It's at that point that Ukraine had to decide either between closer ties with the EU or Russia. This led the two blocs to compete for influence in the country. Ukraine, which had signed an association agreement with the EU, broke it off to pursue an agreement with Russia. This triggered the Euromaidan protests. Pro-EU protesters asked for the deal with the European Union to be put back on track. After the government's violent crackdown, the protests Turned into a revolution, and the protesters, who initially had the backing from EU leaders, went on to overthrow Yanukovych's government.
2: Now let's stop right there. What happened? So, 2013, they had protests where they busted into the capital, they torched the place, and they had new elections. Let's now take a look at the U.S. crisis support for Ukraine, which is also in my affidavit, by the way. So in February of 2013, 14, sorry, um, just a couple months uh, after the big issues that they had in Ukraine, Barack Hussein Obama signs a U.S. assistance to Ukraine. Let me see if I can zoom in for you. Give me a second. Shoot. Seriously? Um, oh, it's this. All right, go uh, so oh, what's really weird is for immediate release, June 15th, 2016, U.S. assistance to Ukraine since February of 2014. Now, the original one released has a few more details. During his meeting with Ukrainian prime minister, uh, Vice President Joe Biden announced today in Washington that pending congressional notification, the White House plans to commit two hundred and 20 million in new assistance to Ukraine this year in support just this year for one year of 2014 this year in support of economic political and energy reforms this assistance package will continue to support for Ukraine's efforts to strengthen democratic institutions the rule of law reinforce the foundations for sustainable economic growth respond to humanitarian needs. What it'll do: accelerating customs, fighting corruption, extending decentralization, expanding support. Let me see. Huh. The other one. We need the other one now. So, next document: two hundred twenty million on that one. Give me a second. <sighs> This a uh, crisis support one. There we go. All right. Let's. In April of 2014, President Obama and Vice President Biden have made U.S. support for Ukraine an urgent priority. So they gave them 220 million. But. As the Ukrainian government works to establish security and stability and pursue democratic elections and constitutional reform to revive its economy and ensure blah, blah, blah. To support Ukraine, we are today announcing a new package assistance totaling 50 million, 50 million. So 220 for the year, plus an additional 50 million to help Ukraine pursue political and economic reform. Here we go. Elections and constitutional reform. Constitutional reform and free and fair elections are keys to Ukraine's democratic development. Assistance in this area is a down payment on the country's democratic development. We stand ready to provide further assistance to the new government after elections. The United States is contributing $11.4 million package to support the integrity of the May 25th elections. So they gave them this money in April for the elections on May 25th. Okay. These funds are being used to advance the democratic process, not to support voter education programs. Oh, uh, sorry, not to support a particular candidate or electoral outcome. These efforts include voter education programs, transparent election administration, effective oversight of the election process, election security, and redress of infractions, and a diverse, balanced, and policy-focused media environment. Oh, my gosh. The United States is contributing support and monitors to the OSCE's election observation mission and monitoring groups. U.S.-funded programs will provide at least 250 long-term observers and over 1,700, it was actually 1,200, short-term observers. We are also sending additional experts to provide advice on issues such as constitutional checks and balances, local governance, public participation, and the establishment of an independent and transparent judicial system. The United States already signed a $1 billion loan guarantee to help Ukraine meet its financial obligations and protect vulnerable citizens from the impact. We have also supported Ukraine's work with the IMF and secure a loan of $14 to $18 billion. Now, tell me, does that sound like election meddling or fucking what? And remember, the $1 billion loan quid pro Joe did? See, while everyone's talking about Ukraine, oh, yeah, you know, MIC, you know, no, no, no. No, this is a cover up. This is what panic looks like. This is a cover up. A complete cover up. Yes, Russia is a threat, they owned everything. And the thing is, the way Russia operates is the way people don't want them to operate. They operate in more old school terms and give zero fucks, right? It's religion, it's order, and it's not really freedom. (laughs) So, uh, it's not really freedom. See, but you go see things like this and you're like, well, you can't be a commie and a Christian. So, you're kind of an in-betweener.
7: Right.
2: very religious, very strict, and very ambitious. So I'm not saying that Russia is a boogeyman, uh, but I am saying that they are a massive power that, uh, threatens the independence of nations. Now, are they a better ruler than, uh, you know, the UN? Fuck yeah. If I had to choose, <laughs> cause I had no choice, let's pretend I was standing in the middle and I had to choose EU, UN run or Russia. I'd be like, sign me up for the first course in Russian, please. So, um, because there's a moral floor at some point, um, they're not Soviets anymore, right? They're more liberal on that sense. (laughs) So I'm just saying, you know what? I don't have to make that choice because I live in the United States of America and we are a force to be reckoned with and large forces can all coincide as long as they stay in their lane. And that is exactly what Russia is saying. Russia's like, yo, I said I'd stay in my lane as long as you stay in your lane. You're not in your lane. Russia was like, yo, we need to talk about nuclear weapons in the sky that may fall down into volcanoes. Can we talk about it? No, we can't talk about it. Uh, we need to do this agreement. No, we're not really talking right now. And Russia's like, all right, you think China's going to get me from behind? (laughs) Most of the shit China has, my coders are already in that bitch. Cause we share borders. So it's a lot easier for me to get in there. So this is how you can understand what's going on with right now Ukraine is a cover-up what you're seeing is a cover-up because if it was fearful you wouldn't have Zelensky coming out saying things like um like this calm down there's no need to to freak out over
7: Yeah, the- are dominated by similar messages about the war with Russia and the inevitable Russian invasion which can start any minute we know there's a potential war threat we are ready for it but we are doing our best so our preparedness would not be needed we are doing our best to find a diplomatic solution we are doing our best for peace in ukraine
2: (laughs) it's more like so balls in our court ukraine we can totally join up with Russia. They acknowledge us as Ukraine independent. We go through Russian laws and we turn over all the scumbags of Europe and the United States over. I mean, after all, they did elect a comedian, a nice actor uh, in Ukraine. And while Hunter Biden was frolicking and while Joe Biden was milking it and while Obama was making millions off of it, you know, There were a lot of people there saying, I don't know, man. You know, I don't know, man. But you know what's funny? I was just thinking about this. So weird. So, you know, when Obama was president in 2016, he was so pissed. He's like, the IG of the NSA is no longer something that you confirm. It's a presidential cabinet appointment. I want Robert Storch. And suddenly that never happened because... It wasn't a Senate that he could control. So it never happened. So then Storch is nominated and then it's pulled and then he's renominated and then passed. And then I'm thinking, wait, it was pulled, but it wasn't renominated. They say it was renominated and it was passed with a voice vote, but no voices. Kind of sounds like your wife is in the Ukraine with you since 2009 that created the National Anti Corruption Bureau. And you may be the IG of the NSA, but there are black projects with tons of keyholes that will watch everything you do just because of that. See, in order to have a FISA warrant, you have to be speaking to people outside of your country, right? It has to be with a foreign asset. That's so weird. If your wife is in Ukraine, you're obviously going to speak to a secretary or something like that beforehand, right? So people are paying attention. Hello? Hello? Like... Hello? What you're seeing right now in Ukraine is a deep state cover-up. It's nothing more than a cover-up. It's full-blown panic. And now they're going to hack us. So we have no TV and no electricity. Damn, could you imagine me having to climb down nine, no, then yeah, oh my gosh, that's not nine, two, 17 floors all together <laughs> to go out and then have to climb and back up. Damn. I'll be, there'll be campouts in each floor, right? (laughs) Campouts. Campouts. We'll all be charging our shit from our car. So funny. So funny. Let's take a break quickly. Let's take a quick break. (laughs) uh, summertime, summertime. Mom, it's only January. I'm already dreaming. But Ukraine is starting to show you exactly what it is. It's just a cover-up. It's pretty simple. Reuters, on the other hand, is telling you that it's a lot more than that. They're telling you it's hostile. And what I'm telling you is that Biden is going to get a lot of people killed to cover his ass. His son's laptop gave us everything we need. We don't even need him to confess. We already have it. And lots of people are going to die now because of fake news. Lots of people are going into war because of fake news. All of them as puppets. All of them as actors. Everyone should start remembering their oath. Look at what they're showing you. Look at what they're showing you. It's an hour stream of showing you people unpacking goods. Here's a press conference. As they staged all of these things, they're now going to address the world and tell them what all this stuff, these supplies are for. They're gonna tell the world on these IKEA desks that they pulled out on the tarmac with a lot of microphones. Oh, here's the story you need to know, okay? Now pay attention. You need to listen to what we're gonna tell you, okay? You need to tell, I mean, this show can be over the minute you call that I mean, it's sometimes when you see someone die on TV and you're like, oh, my heart, I'm so sad. The character, I loved him. What characters of these do you love that you identify with? Not It's cold murder. But let's see this amazing press conference. Look at them, they're coming together. Where are you going to stand? I'm going to stand over here. Uh, do we have an interpreter? I don't know. Hey, you're wearing a mask,
5: but you're not.
8: Let's go. You can use mine. Yeah, I do, but it's. Okay, so you need that. Are you ready? I have changed it a little bit. Okay, I've even changed it
4: from
5: the one you have, though. So
8: okay, I'll be
4: attentive. I honestly
8: don't know how to say it. we so. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
11: yeah. yeah. I need to say yeah, something. Hey everybody, as you get started. Uh,
8: thank you very much for coming, first of all.
11: and we're
8: sorry that you had to stand in the cold.
11: We're sorry that you had to stand in the cold.
8: One request that we would have,
11: is that
8: you please do not show the aircraft's tail number in your footage if it's
11: possible. So the, the,
8: for security purposes, for the safety of the
11: crew and the aircraft. Uh,
12: we appreciate your understanding. You know, I can
4: see now that my Perfect. eyes are working.
8: Only press right. statements uh, will be made and no q and
6: as is
12: planned.
11: we give the names of our principals today. запрошую до чергового кроку
6: It is my honor to be present today during another event that indicates the deepening and strengthening of our
8: relationship. We have always felt your support. And we are sure it is going to the deepened. And Queen,
11: who
1: is the Queen? Who is the Queen, guys?
11: doing that. Thank you for your assistance
6: in helping us to fight for our territorial
11: integrity and
5: sovereignty.
11: Our
0: enemy
6: is strong, but we know that together with our uh, friends
8: and partners and with our people we are stronger. Thank you. Thank you. The floor is given to charge the affairs of US Embassy in Ukraine Kristina Kin.
4: Hello, everybody, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us uh, and uh, for braving the cold to come today to see uh, what it is that we're talking about.
11: Our message is
4: clear. The United States stands with Ukraine, our allies and partners.
2: Hey, uh, that girl with the hat, I'm just listening to her voice. I'm so sure she worked with um, Nellie Orr, I'm pretty sure.
4: Hmm. And we're working together to expedite security assistance and support of Ukraine's sovereign right to self-defense.
11: As I said
4: many times, we are committed to Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial
11: integrity. In
4: addition to our
11: support for Ukraine, I wanted to reiterate the words of President Biden and
4: further consequences if uh, Russia makes further incursions into Ukraine.
2: Okay, let's just pretend that there was real war. Okay, what what minute is this? 43.20. I just want to skim through and see if we saw any tails. tail signs Since they were so upset about that. Let's see. Did Reuters get any? Let's see. Do we see any tail tail numbers. Uh, anyway, if that if Quinn, not Queen, Quinn, right, Miss Quinn. Um, <laughs> was standing there to tell me anything, and I stood across from her, and I, <laughs> and I could be the president of fucking Malta, right? Or some little—I could be the president of a rock island in the middle of fucking nowhere. And she's like, "We can." I'd be like, "I could bitch slap her." Like it's the weakest show of anything, which tells you everything you need to know. I mean, this is so bootleg. Um, I'm just gonna skim through and see if we could find any tail numbers because they were really upset about that. Ooh. What's this? Any tail numbers? There it is. November 729 Charlie Alpha. Please uh, go ahead and dig in. Uh, Someone post that on Telegram. November 729 Charlie Alpha. Because they asked us not to look up the tail numbers. So that means go and look up the tail numbers. (laughs) So this is so bootleg. I shouldn't be laughing because a lot of people are going to die. But like I told you, 22, 2022 is entering with death. Huh. This is how you give birth. You got to hurt. But um, we got the tail number, right? Right, guys? <laughs> we, we, got, we got
4: the tail number, right?
2: <laughs> they didn't even tell the reporters beforehand. Is it Mike November? I think it's just November. Let me take a look better. Uh, no, that's the door. It's November... 729 Charlie Alpha. That's what I see. Let's see if we see anything else. Yeah, it's November. There's no mic. It's just November. November 729 Charlie Alpha. Let's see. Still unloading. Uh, still unloading. Oh, and then the, this, the show begins. Let's go back to the 43-minute mark. After She's like, hey, don't take any tail numbers on the video. Here we go. Let's go
11: on me. border. If any
4: Russian Ukrainian border, that's an invasion and will be met with swift, severe, and a united response.
11: Це буде вторгненням і на нього за ним послідує швидка, жорстка і об'єднана
4: Both from the United States and from our allies. Це буде реакція Штатів і наших
11: союзників.
4: Let's make no mistake about it. If Russia decides to come into Ukraine, it will be a disaster for
11: Russia. Україну,
4: over the two and a half years I've been here in Ukraine, i visited military forces, also border guards and national guards all over the country. За два з половиною роки, які я працюю в Україні, я
11: відвідувала Збройні сили, також прикордонну службу і Національну гвардію по всій Україні.
4: And I can tell you from my first-hand experience that they are disciplined, they're well-equipped and they're ready. І з власних
11: з власного досвіду можу сказати, що вони підготовані, вони добре оснащені, дисципліновані та готові.
4: And let me underscore that Russian soldiers sent to Ukraine at the behest of the Kremlin will face fierce resistance.
11: The losses to Russia will be heavy.
4: If President Putin decides to make this reckless choice, we will provide additional defensive material to the Ukrainians, above and beyond what we've already sent. But of
11: course, our preference
4: is diplomacy. As we seek a diplomatic resolution, we're in close touch with our Ukrainian partners and with our partners and allies in Europe.
11: І шукаючи дипломатичного вирішення ситуації, ми тісно спілкуємося і з українськими партнерами, і з нашими партнерами і
4: союзниками з НАТО. delivery like deliveries like today's uh, will continue and are ongoing. In fact, the United States has delivered more security assistance this year to Ukraine than in any year since 2014.
2: Well, the cover-up is almost always more expensive, right? What is it? $220 million, $50 million, you know, like $300 million, and then a billion-dollar loan. So that's $1.5 billion. So what's it going to cost us? I don't know, $3 billion. Don't show the tail number. Oh, which, by the way, came from fucking Delaware. Are you kidding me? Come on. You can't even make this shit up. You know why she asked that? Because she wanted people to go and find the tail number. Okay? So that people can see it's a Biden fucking cover-up. Because no State Department would send this clown over here reading from a wet card saying that she visited, Toad, right, uh, Ukraine. She said, don't show the tail number so everybody can look. Get busy on that. Because it's cover-up for Biden. Just be distracted. Come on, Red Stringers, let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. From Alaska to Canada to Dover to Ukraine. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's owned by First Union National Bank. Get out of here! Get out of here! Cash pallets, cash pallets. Anybody? There's no aid. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta check the ball. What's you know? I had this conversation with you with the world in 2019. I think I even wrote articles. You need to dig them up with USAID. Oh, which by the way. <laughs> In one of those washing, you know, the USAID is a laundry facility for washing money, right? I <laughs> just want to say, um, I had exposed way before anybody knew that Ambassador Taft had unmasked General Flint. Well, boom, boom, the other day, I was talking with someone I work with, and we were talking about 100 emails, and guess which motherfucker was on those emails? That's right, Ambassador Taft. In Hunter Biden's emails. But you know, I'm pretty sure that Garrett with his report, because I know, you know what, they give him a lot of shit because he's a young guy, right? But he's a very thorough guy. And I like Garrett Ziegler because he's thorough, he's straightforward, and he's 100%, right? And uh, this is why I like working with him too. I I love working with Garrett, right? Because he's smart as shit and he is focused and he is on point and he you know, a a lot of other people think, Oh, you're not in the in crowd. We can't be friends because we're in the in crowd. Dude, you lost that in crowd. There is no in crowd. We, the people are the in crowd. Garrett, who was simply in the white house as a staffer. When I came across him, I was like, yeah, we'll talk. We talked months later, had him over my house. Set him up with one of the cleanest copies of the Hunter Biden laptop, and I said, go at it. And if I can help you with your report, I will contribute to that 100%. He's promised not to release something that I want to publish that I haven't been able to do. Car hack, doctor's appointments. My kid had to get got sick today. Long story. I thought it was something else. Turns out, if you eat half a bottle of hot sauce, you're not going to be feeling too good. Um, but <laughs> he's a great guy. So let me, let, let, let me just break it down to you. This is junior level bullshit that you're watching right now. This Quinn lady is so out of her water. It's ridiculous, right? Cameras weren't supposed to be rolling, but it's Reuters. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone's going to be looking into that airplane. And I can almost guarantee you... Almost guarantee, I would bet money on it. Bet money on it that on those things that you see as aid is hard, cold, unmarked fucking cash. Okay? I can almost guarantee you. Guarantee you. But anyway, let's listen to what they're saying,
11: though.
4: So this year we provided over $650 million of security assistance to Ukraine.
2: Wait, why? Wait, why? We need to rewind that. What did she say? How much money?
11: Again. but ми тісно спілкуємося і з українськими
4: партнерами, і з нашими партнерами і союзниками з НАТО. The delivery like deliveries like today's uh, will continue and are ongoing.
11: Поставки такі, як сьогодні, продовжуються і в майбутньому вони продовжуватимуться.
4: In fact, the United States has delivered more security assistance this year to Ukraine than in any year since
11: 2014.
4: So this year we provided over 600 million dollars of assistance that we announced just recently.
11: And uh,
4: perhaps I'll also just raise, since we have quite a few press here, that I think we all know Russia's playbook.
11: There are
4: cyber attacks, there are attempts to sow discord, their use of false flag operations. All of those things are things that Russia uses. cyber-attacks,
11: operations under a foreign and It's
4: almost like Reuters
2: lowered it for me.
4: And we all need to be on our guard to watch for those and to make sure we know the facts before we report uh, incidents in Ukraine. And need to be on our guard to
11: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Let's not let Russia use a false flag operation uh-huh. to start uh, wait, wait, an
2: attack Wait, 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 twice she said it, twice, what? False flag, where have you heard that shit on the right ever? Ever, have you ever heard the left or the right say false flag? False flag. What politician says false flag? She said it not once, but twice. Oh, wait a minute. So you're going to say it's a false flag (laughs) that people are getting arrested and Zelensky's handing over all the good because the EU is completely fucked. Like, what is going on here? This is, you know, the. He's gonna get people killed. I am so pissed. you know, I'm gonna put together a little paragraph and I'm gonna telegram it out. We have a list of all senators and congresspersons. We should all copy all those emails, put it on an email and tell them we do not consent to the money to the Ukraine. you didn't ask us for it. you are not allowed to use my money to cover up for Joe Biden. That's what we need to do. You, I do not consent to you using money to cover up for Joe's crimes, which obviously were done by Obama.
4: So through all of the noise and everything else we're hearing, uh, I just want to reiterate that the United States stands behind Ukraine we will uh, work to help them defend their territory, uh, their sovereignty and territorial integrity.
11: The
4: path of diplomacy and dialogue is the preferred path. Нам би хотілося, щоб це був дипломатичний шлях, шлях дипломатії. But whatever path Russia takes, we will be ready to help defend Ukraine.
11: Але який шлях була обрала Росія, ми будемо готові допомогти захистити Україну. Слава Україні! Героям слава! Героям слава!
4: Дякую, пані Густаславе. Дякую, пані Кристина.
8: Дякую, міністр. Thank you, dear friends.
2: That's it.
11: Okay. That's, it.
2: That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. So I want you guys to listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you now. After this hoax, right? So the plane apparently touched down at 3.43 their time, okay? And their time would be uh, coined as EET, right? That's why you see it. So that means that they're, you know, by Kiev, Odessa, Dniprov, Kharkiv, right? Um, Donetsk and Sevastopol are not um, on that time zone. They're actually an hour ahead. They're on... UTC three, which would be like MSK. Yeah. So um the time that it landed was at 3 45 p.m. This was streamed literally an hour ago, right? This was streamed an hour ago, which means it was streamed at 3:30-ish, I guess. What time is it now? It's uh it's 9:30. So yeah, so 3:30 a.m. it was being streamed. When it landed at 3.45 p.m. and they were still unloading, okay? So they've been unloading for 12 hours, okay? And then the State Department Quinn lands in her nice, you know, private jet all, you know, unscathed, untouched. We're not doing Q&As. We're just going to read off our little card. So um, this is pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting because it's 9.30 here and it's about 4 a.m. there right now. Not 4.30 a.m. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, you know, if it landed at 345 local time and you're starting to still unload and you're having conversations 12 hours later, like what the fuck did you unload? Like, it's not even that big. So I don't know. Seems really scripted. Seems really like, it's going to be false facts. Don't listen. It's all Russian, right? It's all Russian. Don't pay attention. You know, don't pay attention. Stop. My gosh. And then people want to talk about Ukraine. Oh, let me tell you about the conflict. Cause I can tell you everything. There's war. Nah, 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 nah. Well. There's also some bitterness because Russia just did this a couple years ago. And, you know, it is a problem. Russia is a problem. Don't underestimate just because they have good intentions, which are nationalist intentions for themselves, doesn't mean that that's good for you, okay, or me. It just means that they're stronger. Yes, who would you prefer? The commie New World Order, Russia, or China? Definitely going to be Russia.
5: Слышно одно. Работаем по наличной программе.
6: Стройка
7: получится. Слушай, стройку видно?
0: А вот видно.
12: Видно.
2: So what were you watching? You were watching a bridge from space that Russia built to cross over to Crimea. Railway and cars. Oh man, their infrastructure is huge. It's actually really, really good. So on that note... Today we have learned that history isn't what they tell us. The Russia, 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 whatever you're watching on TV is complete bullshit, right? (laughs) Please don't take the tail number. It just takes us 12 hours to unload a plane somewhere in the western part of Ukraine. We're just not going to tell you. And uh, it's going to be false flags. I've never heard that before coming out of the mouth of a State Department person giving a conference. But anyway, let's talk about elections because in 2004, we had elections in a lot of places and a lot of people were being tortured because they heard about election fraud. <laughs> so weird, all under Bush.
10: Out on the elections in Ukraine, we're joined by Anton Fedyashin, Executive Director of the Initiative for Russian, Russian culture, culture at American, American University, University in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. So, what do you think the outcome of this election will be? Will it help Ukraine make the necessary reforms to avoid economic collapse? to bring the country together
12: i think that's uh highly unlikely although it is a step in the right direction that i did so i think that uh the uh, members of the new rada who will be elected will be by definition more populist than is the current president petro Poroshenko. and uh, given that the parliament and the president will have to coordinate the implementation of very tough economic reforms that will hit almost every single ukrainian a uh, gridlock in kiev
10: And what about the boycott in the East? That's adding to this stalemate as well. How significant is that?
12: Well, very, because this uh, throws into question the very legitimacy of these elections and the legitimacy of the parliament that will come out of them. Uh, in the southeast uh, most of the population sees the so-called anti-terrorist operation that was launched against them on uh, april the 7th as a war of a government against its own uh, people so this is why they've uh, uh, decided to hold their own elections i think the most important step for the new parliament uh, to to decide upon is to end uh, the military operation withdraw the ukrainian forces and then immediately start negotiations with the southeast which is something that should have been started back in April.
10: What is Russia's interest? How do you think Putin wants to see Ukraine emerge from these elections?
12: Well, Putin gave a uh, one of his programmatic speeches just the other day in uh, Sochi, and he was very clear about the fact that the Russians actually want a unified Ukrainian state. Uh, they want uh, negotiations between Kiev and and uh, the so-called Novartisiyya to uh, begin, uh, and they are interested in settling the uh, dispute within Ukraine peacefully and for Ukraine to become again a stable uh, economic partner and bridge between Russia and uh, the EU.
10: Does that mean that Russia is ready to resolve the gas dispute, which threatens also Europe's supplies and winter is coming?
12: Well, the Russians have uh, tried to resolve the gas dispute on uh, several occasions already. Remember that uh, the Ukrainians owe the Russians five and a half billion dollars for gas that they haven't paid. The Russians have come back with several offers about uh, uh, scheduling repayments. Uh, They've tried to pull the Europeans in in order to give the Ukrainians some credits, bridge credits, uh, to get over uh, the impending uh, winter. But so far, the Kiev government has dug its heels in. And so it's holding the Ukrainian people as hostages in exchange, or rather in this exchange with uh, Russia. This depends on Kiev, and I think less on the parliament elections than on the decisions that will be made by uh, uh, the president, Poroshenko.
10: Now, some analysts uh, say that despite Putin's statements, as you mentioned, that he wants a strong economic partner in Ukraine, many analysts are looking at this and saying that what Putin really wants is a divided, weak Ukraine that he can control.
12: Well, Ukraine is already divided. It's divided because its uh, it, it uh, its borders include areas that had never been traditionally part of uh, Ukraine. This is not to say that it has no right to exist, but the divisions are already there, and they were not created by Putin or by the Russians. This is simply historically uh, so. Um, the-
2: this is simply Churchill, you know, Roosevelt, and Stalin decided it so. Right. So. They're like, oh, you know, we're having elections in the Ukraine. While you know, oh shit, the Crimeans just had a referendum. This doesn't look good. Uh, I think that they're all going to leave and go to Russia, and they're going to stiff the U.S. with a lot of uh, outstanding bills. We we need to do something. Okay, we're just going to give them money, and we're gonna we're gonna fix that election, right, Tory? Right, dirty, 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 Diana. See you tomorrow
9: mistakes Every move so
3: won't
1: you just spend. Spend your time to the world, like, you like this. you see this every man, this time it wants to be. Just saying that's okay, hey baby do what you please. I have the stuff that you want, I am the thing that you need. You look me deep in the eyes, she's like you need some good stuff. She says it's no time.
3: She likes the boys on the ground, She know when they come to town. Bring musicians, fan up for the curtain calls. She waits in backstage door for those who She promises to the and play life is young. So Just say that's okay, hey baby, do what you want. I'll be your night thing. I'll be the freaky kajal, and I don't care what you say. I wanna go before I'll be your. She said I have to go home Cause I'm not tired But I had sleep with a mom. Why don't you come I said my baby's at home She's probably worried I didn't come on the phone She said I'm, she said, I'm, she said, I'm And I woke up to me She said I want to sit And then I went to the phone Saying baby I'm
11: worried I said my mom left to go Because I'm fucking kidding She
0: said it's not gonna happen I'm stuck